Good morning. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Dvorim, Tov Shin Pei Gimel. We continue the Shir in the Kutalochas, Yoradea Chelek Sheni, Hilchas Mila, Halacha Hei. We're in the middle of paragraph Gimel. We're up to the subparagraph, Vezehu Koil Baroma Nishma Mihi Bechi Samurim. We dedicate the learning today, Leilu Nishmas, Braina Bernita Bas Zevolf. <coughs> And Lilu Nishmas Yentafradl Bas Ravishaya Arye Harini Kaporas Mishkova. And for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Bas Galia, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, and her grandson Akiva Pinchas, and Yehuda Goraye Ben Bernice, Sorochel Bas Yispendel, Avivilan Bas Yispendel, Soraleya Bas Chavaliba, Chavaliba Bas Mirmvoira, Peretz Elio Ben Soraleya. Gitgenendel bas Sipoira, Libalea bas Sipoira, Dovidlei ben Shena, Shlomoi ben Rivka Sprinzer, Pesia bas Chayester, Avram David ben Chana, Sorigitl bas Chanariva, Hindachasa bas Chana, Mary Mester bas Sorigitl, Fruma bas Genesa, Besoich Sharchoi Yisrael. We're in the middle of discussing the three weeks as it relates to our topic. Vezehu koil beromo nishma mihi bechi samrurim. Rochel mevake alboneho meano linochem alboneho kenenu. This is the Pasuk in Yomianovi where it says, it speaks about the crying that Rochel Imenu cries over her children who are exiled. And Hashem says, mini koilech mi bechi. Withhold your, your cry, Kiyesh Tikvalach Risech, because there is hope for you at the end. Your children are going to come back to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem will rebuild the base of Mikdosh. Kikishe'en Yecholen Lechavin Horus Kanal, Srichin Lehispalel Velitzoik Harbe. Because when a person is not able to focus their eyes to, to look at the Tachlis, the Yitzhahor is overpowering the person and the person is getting diverted. <clears throat> by all the diversions of this world, by all the distractions of this world, then a person has to be mispalel and cry out to Hashem a lot. And these two things are dependent on each other. Which two things? Real perfection of tefillah is dependent on the person being able to focus, to look straight ahead, not to get distracted. And the ability to look straight ahead, to look only at the tachlis and not get distracted by the distractions of this world is dependent on a person davening and learning. And this is the term that's used in the Mishnah related to the eyes, this ability to, to be focused. And this is also related to what Rabbein Zal revealed, that one of the greatest forms of tefillah is when a person learns and they take what they learned and make a tefillah from it. Vialkain, as Rabbein Zal expounds on this in chapter 25 in the second half of Likut Imran, which speaks about Hispoidus. Vialkain hayoim la'asoisam. And that's why the Mishnah says, Today, now is the time to do mitzvahs. 
don't push it off to tomorrow. Because once a person passes away, they're free from doing mitzvahs. They're not obligated anymore to do mitzvahs. Because once a person passes away, once a person is in Olam Haba, there they have the ability to become Botel to Hashem without performing any mitzvahs, without doing anything. Because in this physical, materialistic world, when a person is to that beetle, when a person is to close their eyes tightly and nullify themselves completely to Hashem, then when they come back down and they want to retain some of that light, the person has to bind that light with many, many bindings. That's what all of the mitzvahs of action are, are all about. Those, those mitzvahs are what help bind the, the light, the spiritual light to us. The Iker, one of the main mitzvahs that allows us to do that is Hukshiras Hatfilin, is when we bind the tfilin to our arm and to our head. Shehem Iker Horashimu. The Zohar Kodesh and the Arizal explain, and Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in chapter 38 in Likut Imran, that, that the mitzvah of tefillin, when a person is tying the tefillin, there's a pasuk in Shir Hashirin, Melech Osur Barahotim, a king that's tied with straps, that by putting on these straps of the tefillin, we're tying Hashem to us, Kaviyocho, we're tying that holy light, and this is why tefillin, the mitzvah of tefillin, is one of the highest forms of dveikus Tashem, that deep connection. In fact, the word tefillin refers to dveikus. We find that Rochel Imenu, when, she's, when her, when her shifcha, Bilha, started having children, she said, Naftulei Eloikim Niftalti, Imachoisi Gam Yocholti. And Rashi explains there, this means that I, I became attached to my sister. Till now, till now she had children I didn't. Now we're, we're attached. V'alkein Shabbos, shehi me'ein And this will also explain why Shabbos, because Shabbos is a taste of Olam Haba, therefore we don't need to put on tefillin. Ki oz miskayemes horashimu shalabitul, because on Shabbos, we're able to bind that high light of Hashem to us, that from the Rishim of the Beetle, without having to perform any action, like tying the tefillin. And this also explains why when a bris mila is being done on the eighth day, then if the eighth day is Shabbos, the mitzvah of Mila is Doiche Shabbos. We do perform the mitzvah of Mila on Shabbos, even though it's going to involve bleeding, etc. She'oz bitul kol hamalochos hanimshochem izuamasanochos. Because on Shabbos is when all, all the 39 types of work, which were the result of the 39 curses that Hashem gave when the snake convinced Odom and Chavatit from the Yitzhadas, on Shabbos all of that disappears. No work. <clears throat> so 
Kedei Sheyechavnu Libom Lamokoim. And this explains why the Gemara says in Brochus that the, the, the earlier Chasidim, Chasidim here means very great Sadiqim, <coughs> would wait an hour before davening, and that waiting, <coughs> they Kedei Sheyechavnu Libom Lamokoim, to be able to gather together their machshava, to be able to really concentrate and focus, tachlis, <coughs> to look at the tachlis, at the at the ultimate goal, the ultimate future, <coughs> because this is what really adds perfection and completion to our tefillah. <coughs> and after they finish their tefillah, they would wait another hour, there would be another hour, in order to, to draw and bind very, very tightly the imprint from the beetle. And that's where they were able to draw new chidush, revelations of Torah. And this is why when the Gemara asks, just one minute, you're telling me that every tefillah took at least three hours by them? An hour before, an hour after, and the tefillah took an hour. Three tefillahs a day is nine hours. When did they have time to learn? So the Gemara says, because they davened like this, their Torah was blessed. Torosan mizboreches. Kimishom iker ha-Torah. Because this is really how a person is zoicher to Torah, through this type of tefillah. Umalachton... <coughs> And their work, their parnas also was blessed. Others took care of their work. Because when a person davens like this, that this brings about a beetle of malacha. The person doesn't need to work. They receive their shefa without working. Now Rav Nosenzal continues explaining the procedure of Mila. And this explains why after the Moihel performs the actual bris, the chituch and the priya, <coughs> then they give a name to the newborn baby boy. <coughs> because Rabbein Hazal explains over there in Likut Emran in chapter 65, which this haloch is based on, <coughs> that when a person is zoichet to this beetle to close their eyes tightly and achieve this super high level of dveikos to Hashem, when the person comes back, when a person does that, they eliminate all pain because they're going up by doing this, by closing their eyes completely and tightly, they're disconnecting from this world and they're being able to see past this world, to see into the next world and to connect over there. This is called Beetle. But Rabbi Nassau explains a person can't hold on to that forever. The person has to come back down. And when the person comes back down, the Sitrachra comes back even stronger. And Rabbi Nassau explains there in the Kutimran, so how does a person take eliminate the, the pain and everything through the Torah that the person draws down from the Zricha. Zricha means the Rishim, or like the imprint of that beetle.
And again, Rabbein Zal brings Pesukim there to show how the, exactly how this happens. And this explains why it's at that point, after the bris milah, after the baby experienced that pain and the baby closed its eyes tightly and cried, then we give the name. Because a name is like the Torah. Because the Zohar Kodesh says, the Torah is the name of Hashem. The Torah is Kula Shmoisav Shalakadish Porchu, all of Hashem's names. Umishom Nimshachim Kol Shmois Bene Israel. And it's from the Torah that we draw all of the na- all the Jewish names. Shekulam Kulim Bahatoira, all of them are included in the Torah. Ki Kuchibrichu the Israel Voiraisa Koilachad. Because the Zoyar Kodesh tells us Hashem, the Torah, and the Jewish people are all one. And therefore, by naming the child, naming the child is like bringing down that new Torah. By doing that, we give life and we relieve the pain of the baby. Question in the chat. Doesn't Rabbein Azal say in Torah 65 that the main way to bind the Rishimu to oneself is by bringing down revelations of Torah? Rabbein Azal doesn't speak about performing mitzvahs. True, but Rabbein Azal here is adding this point, and again, he has a base for it, that the, the Zohar Kodesh speaks about this, that each one of the mitzvahs is being mekasher Hashem to us, the word mitzvah is actually yud kevavke because mem and tzaddik in atbash become yud and hey. So by the, the, the learning of the mitzvahs and especially the performing of the mitzvahs and especially tefillin is being mekasher, being mekasher, that light, that high level light to ourselves. And this explains also why the Pasuk says in Yecheskel that when the Jews were in Mitzrayim, Hashem said, I, I said to you, you will live with your blood, you will live with your blood. And we, we, we recite these Pesukim at a bris milah. This refers to that tremendous pain that the baby endures when the moil is cutting, the blood of the baby is being spilled. What's the solution for this? To run away to the tachlis, to run to that dveikus to Hashem. Because up there in that high place of Beetle, in that highest light, that's the source of life. Because Hashem, by you, up above in the highest places, that's the source of life. And he repeats it again. This refers to that new life that we draw upon ourselves after a person goes through that beetle. 
שמנחמן ומחיין עצמון על ידי התוירה, whereby we console ourselves and we give ourselves new life through the תוירה, שהוא החיים, the תוירה is life, כמו שכוסוב, כי הוא חייכו. ועל כן כופר בדמי החיי שתי פעמים, and this is why the פוסק says it twice, and we, we say it twice. כי הראשון מוירה לברוח אל התכלס מתוך חזגברוס אדומם ודינם. The first בדמי החיי tells us that when you're experiencing this blood, when you're going through this pain and suffering, חיי. Connect yourself to life. Run to the tachlis. Run to that bitul. While you're experiencing, and as a result of you experiencing this blood and this din, that's what's causing the great pain. <coughs> and the second, that, that's what means, that through your dam, through your pain and suffering, that will force you To, to run, to do the beetle, and thereby connect to Chai. Because up there in that high, high place, that's the source of life. And the second B'domai Chai, Moira shows us, That tells us that there's a phase two. that when you're coming back down from the beetle, then you need to, a, a new chiyus that you'll get through the Torah that you draw. Shezeu b'chinas kriyas Hashem lahatin oik achar hamila. And by giving the name to the baby after the bris mila, that's a form of drawing new Torah. Any questions, please? Now Rav Nosson Zal continues, V'zeh b'china soid kavona samila. And with this we'll be able to understand the secret Kabbalistic kavonos that the Arizal explains regarding the mitzvah of bris mila, <coughs> which the Arizal speaks about in the Eitz Chaim. She'kavona samila hi lahamshich ulegalois hachasodim lemato, she'lo yiu stumim lemala mehachoze. The Arizal explains in several places that when there's a problem, when we're not zoicher, the chasodim, instead of coming down to us, Hashem's chasodim, they go up. They rise up to a place where we cannot access it in a sense, and in a place where the sitra can't draw from it. And therefore, when we want, when we need chesed, We have to do something in order to draw down the chasodim, to bring them back down, that they shouldn't be hidden away and closed above, in a certain high place. The Hoinian, Rav Nosanzal says, and what this is all about is, It's impossible sometimes for us to reveal Hashem's kindness without going through the process that Rabbein Azal prescribes in chapter 65 on the Kutuman, which we discussed before. Shehu, meaning, the person has to be able to close their eyes completely from all the distractions of this materialistic world. 
and using our eyes to look at the eternal tachlis. And this is what really adds perfection and completion to our tefillah. Because Rav Nosenthal says, there seems to be a question. Since we believe that everything Hashem does to a person is really for the person's good. That a Jew is required to say that whatever Hashem does is good. Then why does Hashem tell us that when we're going through what we perceive to be a problem, pain, suffering, we should be mispalel, that Hashem should take it away. All the pain and suffering and everything is really very, very good things. Because that helps a person to cleanse themselves from any averos, from any pigomim, so that the person can be zochet to eternal life in Olam Haba. This is the question, and now Rav Nosson Zali answers, The truth is that you're definitely right. It's definitely true that everything Hashem does is really for the good. And despite that, Hashem wants us to dive into him and to plead with him that we should get out of the problem, get out of the suffering. Because the main reason why Hashem made the entire creation was for the sake of man who has Bechira. Hashem created the world and gave the keys to us. He turned over the memshola, the authority to us. Yisrael mam sholoisov. Shehoodom daiko yase kelim vitsinoirois lahamshich shifoi vechazda yisporach lamato. Hashem created the world in such a way that we are the ones, through our tefillah and Torah and through our actions, we create the vessels and the pipes by which we can draw shefa and chesed from Hashem to draw it down to this world. And without us preparing those kalim, Hashem cannot send that shefa down because if the chesed comes down before we prepare kalim to receive it, it'll result in the same result as when you put too much oil into a, 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 a fire, the oil, instead of increasing the fire, the oil extinguishes the fire. And when that happens, when there aren't kalim to receive the chesed, and the faucet is on, the chesed is flowing, 
then you get a flood. Then you get Midas Sadin, just like when a person leaves a faucet open and there isn't any kalim to receive the water, we know what happens. It becomes din cautious, severe, harsh din. The iker tikun hakalim hualidei toiro utfila. And the main way that we prepare these vessels is through Torah and Tefillah. V'ho ikar al yedei And between the two, the more powerful one in creating kalim is Tefillah. Who says this? The Arizal says this. In the beginning of the Priyetz Chaim, he says clearly that every single mitzvah that we do in the Torah that we learn creates kalim. But he says the, the greatest kalim and the greatest thing to create kalim is Tefillah. As it says clearly in the beginning of Bereshis, when it speaks about uh, Hashem providing rain for the world, Hashem get, getting all the plants to grow, it says there, that all the plants and the trees and the flowers and the vegetation had not yet come up from the ground. They were underground. Why? Because Hashem had not yet given rain. Why? Because man was not yet created to work the earth. Upirish Rashi and Rashi Kodesh writes there, Sheodom Ayin Lehispalel. The Odom Arishan had not yet been created who could be Mispalel for the rain. And as soon as Odom Arishan was created and he was Mispalel, the rain came down and all the plants and vegetation came up from the earth. Hainu Kanal, this is exactly what we said before. V'alkein koidem shemispalel ha'odom bevadai hu toiva gedoyla kol ma'ashebol ha'odom. And therefore, before a person says their tefillah, then definitely whatever Hashem does to the person is for their benefit. Afilu yisurim chas v'shom, even suffering. Why? Ki ha'koyel etavosay, because everything is for the person's good. Ki lefi masov because based on the person's actions and deeds, because the person has not prepared kalim, <coughs> then that person cannot receive shefa and chius through midas hachesed. It must come through midas hadin. And even this mid, what Hashem is doing to the person, the suffering and everything, is with great kindness. Because if Hashem were to give the person chesed, show the person chesed without din, it would be a case of too much light, which does more harm, more damage than even the, the Midas Adin. And therefore, the main solution here is tefillah, ve'ikar ha-tefillah hu-bechinas ham-tokas hadinen. And the main tefillah is that tefillah which sweetens judgments. Sha'idei ha-tefillah hu-mamtik hadinen u-mesaken kelim she-yucha le-kabel shefa chazda Because through the right kind of tefillah, a person is to overturn the midas hadin to midas hachesed, and the person sweetens all the dinim and prepares the kalim, the vessels that are needed, to be able to receive Hashem's shefa. 
And then the person can eliminate completely the suffering. Because then the person is able to receive Hashem's kindness and goodness and eternal goodness without any suffering. The person is receiving it only as a result of the fact that the person prepared those kalim through their tefillah. And this explains also why the real perfection of tefillah is through what we explained earlier. By a person really being focused and thinking and looking only at the tachlis, at my main purpose of life, my main mission in life, which is to get to Olam Haba and not to, not to get involved in all the distractions of this world. And as Rabbi Nezal explains over there in Torah Samachay, that a person has to daven with kavana in a manner that when a person starts the tefillah and they say the first word of the tefillah, Baruch, when they go on to the next word, they don't let go of the first word. They're holding on to every single word. They're connecting the second word to the first word, and then connecting the third word to the first and second. Like a person making a bouquet of flowers. They pick one beautiful flower, a red one, then they pick a beautiful pink one and put it together with the red one, then a yellow one, then a white one, putting them all together, making them one. By putting them all together, they become one, and it becomes something of extraordinary beauty or like an orchestra playing music. <clears throat> one instrument, then you add another instrument and a second one, and all of them blending together to form a beautiful, beautiful production. Sheshom kuloi toiv. And as Rabbi Nezal explains over there in Likut Imran, when they're all one, when they all become one, the, the place of one is a place of all goodness. Remember, we speak about this many times, that the highest, highest place of Kedusha, by the Keser, there's no right and left. It's all oneness. When we go down to a lower level, Chachma and Bina, there Chachma is on the right, Bina is on the left. Chesed is on the right, Gvura is on the left. Because without this, a person can't really daven. Machmas inyan hakushyanal because of the question that we had before. And as we see the, the question presented in the Medrash, the Medrash asks, <coughs> Hashem is giving a person a sickness, <coughs> and the person is asking for a four. Who knows better, Hashem or you? If a child says, give me that third ice cream, and Abba says, no, I'm not giving it to you, and the child says, why not? Because it's not good for you. And the child says, what are you talking It's very good for me. Give it to me. I'll show you how good it is. Watch how, how delicious it is. So the, the Medrash asks, Do we give a fool or a small child whatever they ask for, even if we know that it's not good for them? Lamashal, for example, 
When a person is experiencing poverty, a person is very poor, or the person has pain in part of their body, and now that person goes and davens to Hashem, Hashem, please give me money. I want to be rich. Give me a lot of money. Or, or please take away the pain from my body. We have this question. How can a person daven? How in the world is Hashem going to listen to the tefillah and give the person parnasa and give the person good health? The reason why Hashem made that person poor was for that person's benefit. In order to, to cleanse that person from Averois, in order to wash away the person's Averois, that's an eternal favor. And in addition, and maybe Hashem's intention is because Hashem knows that if this person had a good especially if this person were rich the person would be much less religious the person would do much worse things as we see in actual life how the majority of wealthy people, their wealth doesn't make them more religious, unfortunately. Their wealth makes them less religious. And the wealth is designated for them to harm them, unfortunately. And it's about this that Shlomo Melech expresses his wonderment Yes, Hevel There's something strange going on in this world. There's wealth that's designated for a person to destroy the person, to harm the person. Like Lahavda Homana Russia. It says Gidal raised him, he bit rich, and everybody's bowing to him. And all of that was simply to pick him up to a high, high place so that when he falls, he'll shatter into a thousand pieces. Is there anything worse than this? When, we, when, when they give a person a, a, a million dollars, a thousand matbeos to play with in this world, in this world, where a person's life in this world goes by like the blink of an eye, and then the money kills the person. And it tears the person out of both worlds. Because the person has a lot of money, they end up suffering in this world. They, they, they don't know if their friends are real friends or they're just coming to them because of their money and, and they're, li- they're totally insecure, they can't sleep because they're afraid somebody's going to rob them and steal them and everything from them. All the, all the difficulties that wealthy people experience. And, and, and as a result of all of this, unfortunately, again, the person becomes less, less religious. They're not davening so hard. They're not learning so much. As the Zohar Kodesh says in the Tikkuni Zohar, 
the Sahara laughs at a person, makes fun of a person in this world with rich, with, with wealth. Hey, you want to get you what money? Here you go. Here's more. Here's more. And, and, and then he kills the person. The, the wealth buries the person, Rahman al-Islam. Al-Kain, Iker Tikun Hatfila, Hwalidei Habachina Hanal. And therefore, the real perfection of Tfila is based on what we learned before. Shetzrichin mi koidem lehi kolel be'echot. That before a person starts davening, they have to have this beetle. They have to close their eyes tightly from this world and connect to that higher place, to connect to that place of oneness. Ulehistakel rakala tachlis. And to look and think and focus only on my mission, my ultimate mission. Mission. Veleda ulahamin shahakoyle and to realize and believe that everything Hashem does is for the good. And once a person does this, then the person can daven for refuah, for parnasah, because then the person is drawing these solutions, the chef on everything, from that light of the Rishimu of the Beetle. <coughs> and, and then the person will have created vessels into which to draw this great Shefa and Chesed. Through this, the person is able to receive Parnosa, wealth, health children, life, everything, <clears throat> and it should only benefit the person, it should not harm the person. Because the person has already prepared the right kind of kalim that are needed in which to be able to receive this shefa, this chesed. Preparing the kalim here refers to this idea of of uh, perfecting your, your vision and, and, and getting rid of the distractions? That's step number one. Step number physically and spiritually from this world and connecting to that higher place, that place of echod, of oneness, <coughs> and doing that for a period of time. And then when coming out of it, connecting to the Torah, connecting to the Torah by learning Torah, by performing mitzvahs, that combination. Then my tefillah will be only, my tefillah will be healthy and positive. There'll be no side effects. It'll only be for the good. And, and this is that. What this is really referring to is Shmein Esrei, the Tefillah Shmein Esrei, which is the ultimate Tefillah. In Shulchan Aruch tells us that when you're about to daven Shmein Esrei, listen to this. There's a Gemara that says that the Hasidim Arishanim used to wait an hour before and then down an hour after. And it says that they used to experience his Pashtus Hagashmias. This is in the, in the Gemara, in the Shulchan Aruch uses this wording, that they used to experience, they used to disconnect completely from the physical, 
when they were davening Shemun Esrei. And we know that by Shemun Esrei specifically, there's a halacha that you're not allowed to have your eyes open unless you have to look into a sitter. If you're not looking into a sitter, you must close your eyes tightly. In fact, it's written, there's a Gemara that says that there's a malach, that chasshom, when the person passes away, he smashes the eyes of the person chasshom if the person didn't, wasn't careful, the person looked around during Shemun Esrei. It's a big mistake, Chas Vashon. So we see that this big, that Shemun Esrei, which is the ultimate tefillah, everything before is building up to that, that before Shemun Esrei, <coughs> we're closing our eyes tightly, you know, or looking into the sitter, which is like closing one's eyes. Looking into the sitter means I'm not looking at her sitter, I'm not looking at anything else. This beetle, and then after that, the Shulchan Aruch says that right after you finish davening, you should go to the Beis Medrash to learn Torah. And, and, though, and there's also important to have Pashachris. So we're going straight from the Tefillah to the Torah. That's this winning combination which allows our Tefillahs for Parnassah, for health and everything to be only good. Because by going through this whole process, we prepare the right Kalim. Since we, we, we accomplished part of that in the beginning of the field, when we wrap ourselves with a talus and cover our eyes. And also true. The wrapping ourselves in a talus is a form of this beetle. I'm wrapping myself completely in Hashem, in Hashem. And that's, again, an incredible opportunity. That's why my Rebbe, Reb Michal Zechonavrocha, that's when he said the Hareini Mekasher for the day. When he was wrapped, after he made the brach on the talus, after he said, Mayakor Chazdecha, that's when he said the Hareini Mekasher. <clears throat> and that's when we say um, what Rabbi Nezal says in paragraph 2 of Sikh Ram that I'm giving over all my thoughts and words and actions to Hashem that everything I do should be only the will of Hashem exactly, that's another form of this beetle question but if a person truly nullifies themselves to the Tachlis how can they daven to be relieved from suffering <clears throat> if they succeed in nullifying them how can they even care about what happens to them in this world? The answer is, it's true. What you're saying is true. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a story about one of the great tzaddikim and a student where during their time, the, the Jews were going through major, major suffering. And they made an agreement with them that whoever dies first, when they go up to Shemayim, when they're able to, they'll come back down to the other one and tell them what's going on in Shemayim, you know, and, and what Shemayim is doing about all of this. So I forget whether it was the Rebbe or the student who passed away, and it says it took a while for him to be able to come, but he came, the Rebbe came to the student in a dream, and the student said, Rebbe, what's going on? Why, why, how is Hashem, how are they allowing this? How are the tzaddikim in Gan Eden allowing Klal Yisrael to go through so much suffering? So he said to him, what should I tell you? There's a Pasuk in Tehillim, Diminu Elohim. Down here on earth, it looks like Elohim, it looks like Mida Sadin. Chazdecha Bekerev Hecholecha. But upstairs in Shamayim, where we are up here, it all, it, looks, it all looks like Chesed. We see it all as Chesed. So unless you tell us, unless you're screaming out, to us it all looks good. From up here, all of it looks good. <coughs> the answer is, that the great tzaddikim, it's true, by the great, great tzaddikim, they are zoichet to this beetle where you, you ask, the, where, where they're not necessarily davening for parnasso or for health because 
to them it's all good. It's all very good. They're davening for much higher things. They're davening for Hamtoka Sadinim, for the Geula. They're davening for Klal Yisrael. We see the famous story, I believe, that a wealthy person once came, I believe, to the Mizritcha Magid, and he was crying, complaining, he has so much suffering, so much problems and everything. <clears throat> so the Mizritcha Magid told him, I have a solution for you. I want you to travel to the city of Anapoli, and there's a doctor there, a very special, he can cure you, he'll cure all your problems, all your problems. His name is Dr. Zusha. So he goes to the city and, and, and he asks, is there a Dr. Zusha here? There's no such thing. There's a Reb Zusha, Reb Zusha There's no, uh, sure, nobody, okay, he figures he'll go to Reb Zusha. He goes, he goes looking for him and they tell him down the block over there in this place, that's where he lives. He goes and he's looking and he's looking and he doesn't see any houses. He sees a little hut or something that looks maybe like a, a place for the, for the cat. <clears throat> uh, and, and he's, where is he? No, no, they say that's where he lives. That's, that's Reb Zusha's house. And he goes and he sees that, that this Reb Zusha living in such extreme poverty and such simplicity. Is that, and, 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 and he says that the Mezrucha Magid sent me here because I told him I have many, many problems. And, and he told me, you could solve all my problems. So Reb Zusha says, I, I don't understand. I don't know why he sent you to me. I don't have any problems. I don't know any problems. I don't know from problems. Everything is good, my. I don't know why he sent you to me. And the, the rich man understood. He got the message. He got the message that, that, that people, ordinary people, think that there's suffering and problems and everything. The higher a person goes in Kedushan and Ruchnius, all of the physical, all the materialistic things become less and less important, less and less significant. So we're talking on many different levels here. For the great, great tzaddikim, they're operating in a certain arena. For people like us, we're operating in our arena, and we're being told, you know, when we're suffering, we're screaming, ouch. When we have a little pain in our toe or in our finger, and this, that, it's, it's the end of the world. <clears throat> so Rav Nosson is explaining to us how a person, wh- why things are a certain way, and how it is, and, and how to solve it. There's a story with one of Rabbi Nezal's Talmidim. One of Rabbi Nezal's close Talmidim was Reb Chaikel. Reb Chaikel was a chazan, and he, it seems he was a very, very special chazan. Beautiful voice. Rabbi Nezal loved his davening a lot. And Reb Chaikel was also knowledgeable in Kabbalah. Kabbalah Mysis. <clears throat> one time when Rabbi Nezal was traveling with Reb Chaikel, he told him, I need a mikvah. Reb Chaikel said, no problem. Reb Chaikel did what he did, and a mikvah was created. And Rabbi Nezal went and toiveled in the mikvah. And when Rabbi Nezal finished, Reb Chaikel wanted to use it. Rabbi Nezal said, no, not for you, just for me, period. This Reb Chaikel one time had a friend, somebody that he knew, that was living in extreme, extreme poverty. And he always was looking for an opportunity to get Rabbi Nezal to give a bracha to this person. And it seems he might have tried once or twice and didn't go. So one time he was traveling with Rabbi Nezal. They were traveling from one place to another. And the place where this poor person lived was a little bit out of the way. And Rabbi Nezal was on the wagon and it looked like Rabbi Nezal was falling asleep. So Rabbi Chaikal whispered to the wagon driver to make a little bit of a detour, a diversion, to go to the house of that very poor person 
hoping that Rabbein will see the extreme poverty <coughs> and Rabbein will give a bracha and sure enough, the wagon driver goes there, the wagon stops and Rabbein wakes up and he looks like, where are we? And he sees where they are and you see the kids, the children, walking around without shoes, barefoot. They don't have shoes, they don't have socks. Extremely, extremely poor. <coughs> and Reb Chaikel says, we were just stopping here for a couple of minutes. Reb Benazal gets off the wagon, <coughs> he stands there, and Reb Chaikel says to the person, bring out something that Reb Benazal should be able to make a brocha on, a piece of cake, some whiskey. He says, nothing. I don't, there's no cake, there's no, the house is empty, period. He says, something. He says, go to a neighbor, borrow, just get something so that Rabbi Nezal can make a bracha, you know. He goes to a neighbor, he gets something, this and that. And Rabbi Chaikel says to Rabbi Nezal, look, you see, you, see that, you see how they're living? He doesn't have anything, mamish, anything. Please give him a bracha. So Rabbi Nezal says to Rabbi Chaikel, you give him a bracha. Rabbi Chaikel says, chas v'sham, the Rebbe's here. No, 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 you give him a bracha. Please, Rebbe, no, 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 you give him a bracha. Rabbein insisted, which wasn't Rabbein way so much usually. Rabbein Chaikel takes a cup of water and he says, Shefa <coughs> le-Mizrach, Shefa le-Mayrev, Shefa le-Dorm. He spills a little bit of water, this on the, on the ground, over here to the right, to the left, in front and back, Shefa le <coughs> And when he, when, he, when he pointed to the direction where Rabbein was in, Rabbein lifted up his kaftan as if to say, not for me, no fat, not for me. I'm, I'm not receiving from this shefa. And they didn't say anything, they left. <clears throat> a short while later, a, a goy comes riding by, a wealthy goy, and he sees this little hut or whatever, and he says, give me a drink, I want a drink, vodka, something good. We don't have, why do you don't have vodka? What kind of person are you without vodka? You have to have vodka. I don't have, I don't have money. So the guy takes out $100, $500, and says, I'm doing business <coughs> in this area. <coughs> I want you to go buy vodka and other things <coughs> so that whenever I come by here, I should be able to have a drink, I should be able to eat something. The Jew goes and he buys drinks and he buys some food, this, that. And this evolved into a business. Mamish the Jew bought and sold, the guy paid, he brought his friends, this, that, and the Jew started Mamish doing business. Once a week he would go into town and buy supplies. <coughs> Mamish, he opened up a, a beautiful, a, a nice business there, an inn. But his Yiddishkeit went down tremendously. And one day he was going into the city <coughs> where Rabbeinazal lived, and he had to go past Rabbeinazal's house so he was walking real quickly not to take a chance that Rabbi Nezal would see him and he'd have to stop to talk to him because he's in a rush to go buy the stuff. He's, he's doing business. So he's rushing past Rabbi Nezal's house and Rabbi Nezal happens to be looking out of the window and Rabbi Nezal bangs on the window real loud. <clears throat> and he looks up, he sees, and Rabbi Nezal motions, come in, come in. Now he can't walk away. So he has to come inside. And Rabbi Chaikal happens to be in the house at the time. And Rabbi Nezal says to him, Shalom Aleichem, good morning, how are you? And he says, okay, okay, sheepishly embarrassed because he hasn't come to see Rabbi Nezal for a long time and his Yiddish guy changed. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal asks him, he mentions his name, he says, did you look up at the sky yet today? Did you have a chance to look up at the sky? 
And he says, no, not really. We know Rabbeinazal says, looking up at the sky gives a person Yira Shemayim. So he says, he says, Reb Chaikov, look at, look at your friend here. He says, to, he says, look out of the window. You see all the people going by, you see the horses going by. A few years from now, there's going to be different people and different horses. They're not going to be here and we're not going to be here. He said, you, you better think it over. You better think about where your life is going. And this was an example of a person who had this shefa. <coughs> the, the, in, his, in this particular case, Rabbi Nezal obviously understood that if this person would be wealthy, <coughs> it would bring about a major yurida in his Yiddishkeit. So sometimes we don't know. We don't know. <coughs> We have to ask for what, what's really best for us, and we have to ask for what's really best for another person. We know that on a certain level, we're allowed to ask for parnoso, we're allowed to ask for health, but in terms of people wanting to be rich, or a person wanting a particular item, whatever it is, a person has to ask, always it, only if it's good for me, if it's really to my benefit. We did mention in the beginning, today is the yard site. Today, Gimel Menachemov is the yard site, of one of the awesome great tzaddikim, Rab Shimshim Ostrapolia. Rab Nosanzal said about him that his chidushim, his are boikea rikim, are heaven splitting. <clears throat> and uh, this tzaddik lived during the time of the pogroms of Tachvetat. There's a lot to say about him, but we're at the end of the time. Belin will try at, at a different shir. I wanted to spend some time on it today, but we couldn't. We'll speak about him. My Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld told over some beautiful chidush from him. <clears throat> we should be zeichet to, to learn from the great tzaddikim and to attach ourselves to the great tzaddikim who have this dveikus, who know what tefillah is, they know everything. And be zeichet to, to, to Hashem should put an end to all the suffering of Klal Yisrael, complete hamtoka sadinim, the gula shleimah, the coming of Moshiach, pemher v'yameinu, amein v'yameinu. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you very much. Good Shabbos. Good Any questions before we close? Good Shabbos. This is Shabbos Chazoyim, the Shabbos before Tishabov, a very, very special Shabbos. We should be to, to make all the right connections. Amen.